Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Appreciated the uh, things that have been shared here so far. The uh, exhortation to praise and worship. Something we can always benefit from. Being reminded. Also the stones, Dave. Every year I have to throw some stones out of my garden. And I guess maybe some in the garden of my heart too. Amen. Well, right. Let's uh, just pause a moment and uh, commit our time to the Lord here this morning again in prayer. Father, we are grateful today as we are again the recipients of many blessings and and the mercies that are new every day. Father, today we ask again a blessing on this time in the service here. Ask, Father, that again your people could be nurtured and encouraged and that the things that are shared would be profitable. May your spirit be the, uh, the, the one who is active here this morning in minister, ministering, and may we be vessels through whom he can speak. So Father, again, we do just commit our time to you and ask that you would be with us and that you would bless this assembly, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> Again, just a welcome to each one, and especially if you're here as a guest. God bless you today. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke to begin this morning. Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> like to speak on the subject of intercessory prayer. And Luke 18 is a scripture that speaks very much to that subject. <clears throat> so we'll read verses 1 to 8 of Luke 18. Jesus here, it says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, or we could say for this purpose, that men ought always to pray and not to faint saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. 
We'll stop there. As is indicated in the very beginning of this parable, the purpose for it is that that Jesus gives it is simply the fact that men ought always to pray and not to faint, which of course introduces several thoughts into our minds. One of them, the fact that it is possible for us as men to faint and to uh, and the. Uh, the temptation, perhaps, or the, uh, yeah, the reality of uh, becoming faint. In fact, maybe we ought to look at some of that, um, what those words actually mean. The word to not faint <clears throat> is simply to be weak or, by implication, to fail in heart. Men ought always to pray rather than Fail in heart. Um, I suppose if we look at the the subject of prayer as opposed to fainting, then we would uh, per- perceive that prayer is is the opposite of fainting. In other words, prayer is the op- is uh, is uh, faith. Prayer prayer engages faith, while the uh, Fainting would uh, be becoming very small in faith or no faith. <clears throat> of course, it says here that men ought to pray and not to faint. It is necessary to pray. It is important to pray. It is, uh, it is uh, important to maintain a posture of faith and to be... Uh, have a heart engaging toward God in that way. Um, and not to faint. As uh, We also notice in verse 7 that it talks about God shall avenge His own elect which cry unto Him day and night. And, a, and I thought it would be good to just focus on the, uh, the word cry a little bit there in that it's... Uh, it's the idea of shouting for help. It's the idea of uh, uh, an earnest cry. So, men ought always to pray. Men ought to cry out to God rather than to faint. Men ought to raise, uh, lift up their voices to God, uh, to the one on high, rather than faint. So, I'd like to talk a little bit about intercessory prayer, prayers of intercession. What does intercession mean? Uh, if we intercede, it uh, simply means to plead for another. It means to come between, to stand between a situation in God, to stand between a man and God, to intercede, to come between. To uh, I wonder what your mind goes to when you think about standing between God and Man, I realize there's several directions our mind can go, but there is a a very uh, vivid example in Scripture that I think is one that is worthy to consider, and we'll spend a good bit of time on it. <clears throat> but let, but uh, let's first, uh, before we go there, just consider a little bit more the subject of interceding. You know, does God actually want people? 
to intercede? Does God actually want people to stand between Him and uh, the cases of need, situations of need? Is God looking for people? Let's turn to Ezekiel 22. In Ezekiel 22, the latter part of the chapter... I think we'll, uh, we'll begin reading in verse 23, but the key verse that we're going to notice then is verse 30, but the, uh, the context will help us appreciate verse 30. In Ezekiel 22, verse 23, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey, to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. That's a pretty bleak picture of the people of God, of a a massive, we could say, a massive falling away from the Lord. Very bleak picture, really. And then in comes verse 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now that makes the picture even more bleak. Here was a people who were supposed to be the people of God. And they have fallen, uh, fallen away from God from a, away from following God, away from walking with God, away from obeying God. And so God looks down among them to see if there's anybody that's burdened about it. To see if there's anyone that's vexing their soul over the uh, departure from God among the people of God. What a dilemma that God looks down upon the people of God who carry his name and doesn't even find a soul that is vexing himself 
concerning the situation. But that's what he found. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. <clears throat> you know, that is, and the reason we read that is to, uh, to recognize the, to recognize God's, I don't know what the word is, not His dependence, and yet it is in a sense His dependence upon, uh, us as human beings. You know, in this particular case, God was looking for a man. Someone that was vexed with the situation. Someone that in the middle of this great departure from God still had their heart turned to God and was, was, uh, was vexed with the situation of their day and was crying out to God for, for His people. And there was none. What a dilemma. What a sad day. <clears throat> but uh, we, we, we read that to just allow our hearts to, to be gripped a bit with the fact that God does, in fact, uh, He does have a certain dependence on us as human beings. Uh, it, uh, it's not a, it's not a um, Clearly biblical philosophy to say that, yeah, well, God is sovereign and He controls everything and He's, you know, irregardless of what I do or irregardless of what anyone else does, irregardless of what any of the Christians do in this land, God is still going to, He's sovereign, He's still going to make everything happen just the way He wants it to happen. And it does, nothing depends on any of us. And that is not a biblical uh, view of God. God has shown us enough through Scripture that that he looks down on the earth and he observes what's going on. And, and uh, uh, even though he, in his foreknowledge, understands everything that's going to happen in the future, I believe he does. But he also, you know, he, he looks. He's looking for, for us as human beings and seeing how we're going to respond to him. And he, he makes his, he, he move, he's moved by, by, uh, uh, a right response from human, human beings. And, and we see that here and we'll see it in other scriptures as well. Um, so we want to recognize that in light of intercession. Intercession is important. Um, I did not take the time to search it out. But I do. I know there's numerous testimonies of when there were uh, uh, Revivals uh, taking took place. There was often those the, uh, testimonies would come out of those individuals, whether it was one or two or three or a few or a half a dozen or whatever it was. But often, somewhere along the way, when it, when when a move of God would happen, it would sooner or later come to the surface that there was a few people somewhere who were praying. And uh, I had just listened to a message by John D. Martin this week on prayer. And uh, he talked of a time back in his earlier days when he was in Ohio at some first school or something. And a revival broke out there. Uh, it lasted for a week. And uh, some hardened sinner got converted or something. I forget the deal. And then a revival broke out and lasted for a week. And there was, 
it was later discovered there was about two or three young ladies that had committed themselves every day. It was it over a noon hour or break or something where they specifically prayed for this one individual who was hardened in sin. And uh, he got converted and a revival broke out and lasted a week. So just an example of how God uses and works through is looking. Just like this scripture is looking for someone who was standing in the gap. You know, like it says here, uh, God says in verse 31, Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. Uh, God's intent and God's heart is not to somehow find us all guilty so he can judge us. God's intent is actually the opposite. Just like it says in verse 30, that I should not destroy it. God would rather not destroy uh, humanity in their wickedness. But when it finally comes to the point where there's no one who will even vex their soul with the wickedness, it's almost like God says there's nothing else to be done. You know, that actually happened with the, uh, the flood. You know, uh, men had so turned their hearts away from God, and their God had a man yet. He had one. And that man preached, Noah preached for many years, and uh, uh, men didn't respond to his preaching and of course, God destroyed him. But God's, that's something we, have to, we, we do well to understand. God's heart is not. He's not in a position where he's looking around and observing humanity and trying to see if he can just somehow come up with a righteous cause to judge us and condemn us. He's actually totally on the opposite scale. He'd like us to find the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and turn our hearts to him so that he doesn't have to destroy us. He doesn't, it's not his intent. <clears throat> You know, think about it, uh, and I've already alluded to this, but, well, let, yeah, let's think about it some more. You know, God's uh, f- uh, functioning uh, dependently with us as human beings. Uh, you know, mankind is somewhat at the center of God's creation. Uh, we notice in creation that God had Adam name all the animals. You know, God could have done that himself, but he... He delegated that responsibility to Adam and whatever Adam named them, that's what they were. We notice in the flood that God had Noah who preached for 120 years and and, uh, built an ark which was a testimony to the then existing world of uh, faith in God and the uh, coming uh, deluge. We notice that in uh, bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, God found himself a man called Moses in a sheepfold, caring for sheep. And there's numerous other examples we could think of. I think of uh, David, you know, when God needed someone that had the faith and confidence to face face a Goliath, he found another little boy in a sheepfold, a David. You know, God could have, uh, as those men prayed, God, God is an interesting God. He does. He, he always has a different plan for a different uh, occasion. You know, there's, there's without a doubt that God could have uh, uh, just caused Goliath to get sick and die right on the spot. Uh, but that wasn't God's purpose. Uh, God was, God was, yeah, he, he found himself a man who was willing to have faith and trust and go out and deal with the problem. There he was, little little David. <clears throat> so God doesn't, and you know, 
We know God has also done the other side of things where uh, sometimes God just intervenes in situations by whatever, uh, natural disasters or whatever, and God moves and He does His thing, you know, and none of us can touch it. None of us can can uh, escape it if we're in the middle of it. And none of us can, uh, yeah. And God does do those things. We recognize that all as well. <clears throat> But we're talking today about prayers of intercession and how God does depend on us and look to us as human beings. The rest of our time we'll spend on uh, uh, looking at Abraham and the, the example that he is to us of a, of a praying man, uh, an interceding man. You can turn to Genesis Genesis chapter 18. We'll read some of this account and then uh, we'll draw some points from it. We'll begin, first of all, we'll read 18, chapter 18, verses 20 to 33, which is the general discourse of what took place there. So Genesis chapter 18, verse 20, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come, up unto, which is come unto me, and if, it, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abram stood yet before the Lord. And Abram drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there are peradventure there be fifteen righteous within the city, wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifteen righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifteen, fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken, up a, taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, said if, there, if I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again, and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there, sh- there shall be found, there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it, even if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. The Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. 
That is the uh, account of uh, Abraham interceding with the Lord on behalf of Sodom and the righteous in Sodom, not necessarily in behalf of the wicked as such, but the righteous. And I, if we're, uh, if we're uh, familiar with the scripture, this was the account where uh, the three angels had come uh, to visit Abraham, and Abraham and his wife had uh, uh, prepared the food for him and fed him, and, and then the two... The two uh, The two, the, in verse 22, and the men turned their faces from then, thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And if we were to go on further, we would discover that two angels in verse nine, chapter 19, verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. Initially, there was three that came to Abraham. And uh, two of them then continued on to Sodom and one stayed. And, and uh, Abraham describes it as... He's talking right to the Lord. Who that third one was it would probably be something people would get into debates over, but uh, it's pretty evident that it was a pretty high being, whoever it was, whether it was the Lord himself, it was a high being. <clears throat> but anyhow, going back then, Abraham goes through this whole discourse and uh, and makes we see his interceding on behalf of the righteous that are in the city of Sodom. And uh, we'd like to uh, just draw a few points from this, uh, this account of Abraham. And the first one that we'd like to, to draw from is actually just a little earlier in our, than, than what we read here. And let's look at chapter 18, verse 17. It says in the Lord, well, let's read verse 16 just to get a little context. And it says, and, and the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of. <clears throat> and uh, here we have Abraham. You know, again, if we really stop and think about it, we, we read there in Ezekiel where God looked down and there was a, a people that had departed from God and they were, they were uh, uh, Wicked and God was looking for one righteous and didn't find it. Here there was a whole city that had departed from God, and God was again looking for uh, a man. And who does He go to but to Abraham? And He visits with Abraham and He talks with Abraham and then He tells Abraham. He informs Abraham on what He is about to do. And uh, so, when we think about prayers of intercession, the first point I'd like to make about uh, the example here in, with Abraham is that Abraham was informed. God informed him uh, of what he was about to do, and we could ask ourselves, what was the basis upon which God informed Abraham of his plan? Why did God inform Abraham of his plan? What was it about Abraham that... Uh, that uh, would you say 
made God feel any obligation to share with him his plan and what he was about to do. Uh, it does definitely seems pretty clear in Scripture that God looked at the situation and felt like he owed it to Abraham to tell him what he was about to do. And we notice in this Scripture that uh, God, without a doubt, considered Abraham a man of integrity. He considered him a man who was faithful. And he considered him a man who would be faithful in the future. As he talks about him here and his family. And that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. And uh, the Lord knew uh, Abraham that way. And knew that. Uh, and so, you know, without a doubt, I think the Lord also understood the connection between Abraham and Lot. And the fact that Lot was down in that wicked city. And uh, God saw Abraham as someone he could share with uh, what his plan was before it ever happened. How about you and I? Would God feel compelled to share his plan with us? Would he see us to be so uh, of such uprightness of heart and uh, such uprightness of character? Such integrity, such a man of, of godliness that he would feel compelled to share something with us that is about to take place. I don't think it's right or wrong if God doesn't find us in that spot. But you know, it's interesting. God does actually, uh, in various cases where there's uh, uh, something he's about to do that he actually at times, does show it to someone. I'm told there, and I don't know who it was, I I think if I recall right, I heard Brother Denny speak about it uh, some years back, but I'm told there was an individual who, at one point coming into New York City, whether it was on a ship or a plane or what it was, but the Lord gave him a vision of the Twin Towers up in flames and uh, before it ever happened. uh, It's just something I remember... Denny is saying in a message he preached once, and God had a chosen man there who he revealed what he was about to do, <clears throat> what was about to take place. <clears throat> Would God feel any obligation to share his plan with us? Would he see that kind of integrity, that kind of character, that kind of trust in us as he saw in Abraham there? Scripture says that he that is faithful in least is also faithful in much. And I believe God saw Abraham as a faithful man. Abraham had been faithful in the responsibilities and opportunities that had been his up to that point. And God saw him as one he could depend on. Next thing I'd like us to notice is in verse uh, 23. It says, and Abraham drew near and said, and of course we we won't uh, follow through with everything that he said there, but I want us to notice that Abraham drew near to God. You know, when we think about intercession, uh, we, if we're going to intercede, we have to draw near to God. Um, Abraham drew near. We are invited in Hebrews 10. Verse 19 to 22, it tells us, uh, one of the phrases in there is that, let us draw near with a true heart, with a, we could say with a pure heart, with an honest heart, 
draw near to God. James tells us in chapter 4, verse 8, that we are to draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to us. Um, so the, uh, the, the invitation to draw near is wide open to us. To, uh, and if we, if we will offer prayers of intercession, we will need to draw near to God. Coming into God's presence with a clear heart. Nothing between me and my Savior, as the song says. And also, if we're going to draw near to God, being at peace with our fellow men. The, uh, Jesus in Matthew 5 teaches us that if, uh, in, in verse 23 and 24, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberst that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way and first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. You know, we look at, uh, we're familiar with that scripture in, in Peter where it uh, talks about husbands dwelling with your wife according to knowledge, uh, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel that your prayers be not hindered. You know, and, and it talks about earthly relationships. When we... When we think about drawing near to God, um, first of all, we have to, in drawing near to God, we, we need to, quote, clear the heaven, if it's not clear. If there is uh, issues between us and God, we need to repent, we need to clear it, we need to confess it, we need to get right, so that we can draw near to God. But then if there's issues between us and our fellow man, then we have to deal with those as well if we're going to be effective in, in intercession. Uh, these scriptures teach us that very clearly. And uh, Jesus also in his prayer, when he said, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, we only have forgiveness as we also forgive. Uh, if we expect God to forgive us, but, it, but at the same token expect that we don't have to forgive others, then we come up short. You know, we, we are shortchanging ourselves. <clears throat> so in drawing near to God, Abraham drew near to God, and for us to draw near to God, we have to, uh, and to come into God's presence in an effective way, we have to be willing to look at our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow man, our relationship with our husband, our relationship with our wife, our relationship with our children, our relationships with our brothers, our relationships with our neighbors. We have to be willing to look at those things. Uh, our relationships at the church that we left a year or two ago, perhaps, or five years ago. You know, if we left unresolved issues, we, uh, we offended someone or someone offended us and we carried a grudge and we walked out the door and said we'll never go back. Uh, we, can't, we can't go on in, in life without... Facing and reckoning with those unresolved issues uh, that are in our lives. If there's someone in our history that if we met them today, we would, uh, we'd met them on the sidewalk and we'd dodge down a side street because we don't want to see them, we don't want to face them. You know, we, we, in intercessory prayer, in drawing near to God, God says to us, we need to reckon with those uh, issues and deal with those relationships and the simple thing is, uh, just like it says there in, uh, in uh, the Lord's Prayer, 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Sometimes it's not easy. But we are called to do it. To forgive. We can be released from any situation, any offense, any hurt by forgiving. Uh, forgiving those who have wronged us. And uh, if they don't forgive us for our offenses, that is not our problem if we forgive them. If we acknowledge our wrongs, if we acknowledge where we have failed, <clears throat> and we forgive. <clears throat> no one can hold us a hostage, thank the Lord. We only hold ourselves hostage when we uh, failed to forgive. So in drawing near to God uh, and to be effective in intercessory prayer, we need to reckon with our relationships with God and with our fellow man. <clears throat> like to, also, as we think about intercessory prayer, we notice in uh, Genesis 18, verse 23 to 25, uh, we notice that Abraham knew his God. Notice here, it says, Abraham drew near, and he said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of the earth do right? Abraham understood his God. He knew his God. You know, in intercessory prayer, we also need to understand God. We need to understand God's will, God's heart, and who God is, and how God works. He had an understanding of God's holiness, God's justice, God's righteousness. Uh, He... uh, And in a sense, he reminded God of that, of who he is in his righteousness. You know, for us, you know, as we think about God and we think about ourselves and and we think about intercession and, you know, we recognize, we know, we fully realize that the only way we can come into the presence of God is obviously through Jesus Christ, through his blood that is on the mercy seat in the heavens that uh, has atoned for our souls. And, of course, there's, uh, there's always that, uh, <clears throat> you know, as we go through this life and we, uh, as Christians, we at times find ourselves in, in the situation where we know that we have sinned, even as a believer in Christ and we've been endeavoring to walk with God and something has come up in our lives that's not right, it's not been pleasing to God. We also recognize that the scripture tells us that in 1 John, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, those are things that we, as, as uh, when we think about intercessory prayer, those are things we, want, we need to understand about God. That uh, as we come to God, and we, at times we come to God and we recognize our own needs and our own failures and our own shortcomings. Well, we have these scriptures that exhort us exactly how to deal with that. To come to God, to confess it, to repent of it, and to find that grace and strength to go on again. And, and to find that uh, place of where, we, where we, uh, uh, we can come into His presence unashamed because of the blood of Christ and what it's done for us. When we as human beings respond to the conditions that God has set forth, then God, who is just and holy, responds to us. 
Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cry out to God, and He will hear your petition. Not always answering necessarily just the way we want, but we do have the assurance He hears. When we understand the character and nature of God, we can intercede on the basis of His character. That's how... uh, that's how uh, Abraham did. He understood the character and the nature of God and he interceded on behalf of Sodom based on that understanding uh, of the character and nature of God. <clears throat> Next point we like to consider is the fact that Abraham influenced the situation. Do we recognize that? Abraham influenced the situation. You know... Abraham stood between God and man. We have that account that we read, how uh, Abraham dialogued with the Lord and uh, made uh, made that, uh, you know, those various, I guess, dialogues, whatever, intercessions, if there's 50, if there's lacks 5, if there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, there's 20, there's 10. That's, that's kind of amazing if you stop and think about it. A whole city of people, I don't know how large the city was, but, uh, you know, one thing we know, one thing we know, there were no ten there. There were no ten righteous in, within the walls of that city. Or that city would not have been destroyed that day. <clears throat> but we do know that um, Abraham did influence the situation. Uh, we uh, we won't take the time to read it all. But we have the if we continue in the next chapter, maybe we'll re- just refer to it a little bit here. Uh, the two angels in verse 1 came, uh, and there came two angels to Sodom at Eve, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, ro- seeing them, rose up to meet them. And uh, he, Lot met them. The uh, Lot brought them to his house, and we, uh, if we're familiar with the scriptures, we know the the wickedness of the city of men, and their uh, lewd approaches to... Uh, to the men that came in, to the uh, the angels that came in, and all those sorts of things. <clears throat> but Lot or uh, Abraham, in his uh, while all this is happening, I suppose you know you know the discourse of time we're not certain of. I suppose by the angels, by the time those angels got into into Sodom, uh, Abraham's discourse was probably completed, and and the. Uh, uh, Intercessions were done, but uh, Lot has no idea of the impending danger. Abraham does, and Abraham was interceding on behalf of Lot. And as we see there, and we know the end of the story, eventually Lot, his wife, and two daughters were the only ones that uh, got out of the city. And uh, I don't know if they'd have got out if... Lot wouldn't have interceded. I don't know what would have happened. We don't know that. Don't need to know that. <clears throat> but Lot, or excuse me, Abraham interceded. <clears throat> but anyhow, Abraham interceded, and we know that uh, 
he influenced the situation. The angels uh, compelled Lot and his wife and their two children to come out. And uh, Lot tried to get the rest of his family, but it was too late. They had already been enculturated into Sodom and saw no reason to leave. This was their future. This was their uh, security. This was life. And they saw no reason to leave. Of course, the question comes to us. We too can stand between God and man and bring the grace and mercy and divine influence of God upon given situation. We can influence people. We can influence circumstances by intercession. I'm not sure if I always believe that. I'm not sure if we always believe that. But uh, I think it's true. I think it's true. I, 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 I'll just admit there's this little struggle in the mind regarding the sovereignty of God and God doing His thing versus us as human beings. Uh, having any influence in in in, in all of that, <clears throat> I um, I would like to uh, allow my heart to be stretched in the fact that I do believe God does want us to be looks for people to be burdened concerning the needs of the the hour, the needs of the day, the needs of our nation, the needs of our communities, the needs of our churches, the needs of our uh, homes, families, whatever. God does want us to be burdened. Burdened, I use that word. Not in the sense that we're weighed down and can't rejoice in the Lord or praise Him. Where's Brother Mark? Anyway. Uh, but in the sense that there's a, there's a, uh, an earnestness on our hearts. There's a, a passion. There's something that moves us to, uh, to intercede, to pray, to seek God, to to uh, take those moments where we just uh, uh, walk away from our work or whatever we're doing and go find a quiet spot and cry out to God or get up in the morning and, and uh, take a moment to seize an opportunity to cry out to God, that that kind of a burden passion would be on our hearts. <clears throat> that we could bring the presence and the wisdom and the power of God to bear upon people, situations, circumstances that uh, are real in our lives and in our world. Zechariah 4, verse 6, we are told that uh, the Lord spake unto Zechariah uh, and said, told him to tell Zerubbabel this. He said, "Then, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Say, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's something that's uh, good for any of us to remember. You know, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by our ability to say the right things and to have the top word or anything like that. When it comes to the kingdom of God and building the kingdom of God, and, and it's not by going to the right school and having the right education, although those things are all important, uh, it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's, uh, that's the one thing we never want to lose sight of. In the, uh, in the, the kingdom of God and the work of God and its, its, uh, its effect in our day, it's, it's by the Spirit of the Lord. 
working and moving and and uh and we can enter into that by prayer and prayers of intercession. <clears throat> so Abraham influenced the situation. I'd also like to uh just consider for a moment Abraham's attitude toward Lot. You know, if you're familiar with that uh the story of Abraham and Lot and their journeys together. You know, they, they came to the day when uh, the two were traveling together and both of them were prospering and both of them had cattle and herds and both of them had herdsmen. And uh, the day came when there was a strife over the land and over the waters and over where the cattle would graze and all those kind of things between the herdsmen of these two men. And so Abraham graciously told Lot to choose where he would graze his cattle and his herds and, and then he'll go the opposite direction or a different way so that they're, they aren't conflicting and, and grazing and trying to all graze on the same land. And of course, uh, uh, Lot chose the, the, la- the land down towards Sodom and, and a, we see the progression there as he worked his way into Sodom eventually, into the actual city, but he, he chose that land and so Lot went a different direction. And then also at a later time when, uh, uh, forget the name of those, that army that came in and took Sodom and the kings of Sodom and took Lot as well. And Lot and his family and took them all captives and headed off. And Abraham learns of it and gets his trained men and goes out and delivers Lot and rescued him from the situation. Of course, now we're in a situation where the uh, the angels are coming and telling uh, God is telling Abraham what he's about to do, and we detect nothing at all in in Abram's heart. Well, I already rescued this man one time. It's now it's his problem. He's got himself in this dilemma. He's he's gone down to that city. He's cast his lot in with Sodom, and I guess he's got it coming. We don't de- detect an ounce of anything like that. Abraham rather comes to God with an intercession if there's any righteous. And I would like to say that Abraham was still in his heart viewing Lot as perchance Lot is a righteous man and vexing himself down there in that wicked city. Uh, That God would spare him if that be the case. I don't know how much uh, uh, how much uh, Interaction there was for for Abraham to actually know what was going on in Lot's life and whether Lot was maintaining his integrity down there. I don't. Maybe Abraham was confident that he was. Maybe he was not confident that he was. We're not sure about that. But one thing we know, Abraham knew that God knew, and if perchance Lot was maintaining his integrity, integrity living down in that city. That God wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. <clears throat> and so, I do, I think uh, Abraham's uh, attitude is noteworthy that even though he had rescued Lot uh, before, he, he still, he interceded on his behalf and he, he didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, you know, just figure, well, Lot made his own bed. He can sleep in it, you know, kind of thing. He, uh, his attitude was, was remarkable. <clears throat> so, intercession. Abraham is an example to us of intercession. Um, an example of, of uh, that can be a challenge to us. 
You know, as uh, God is, maybe we should state this as a question, is God looking for intercessors today in our world, in our uh, situations that we uh, live in? You know, I think the answer is yes. Is God, are the eyes of the Lord still going to and fro uh, to see if there's any that are turned toward Him? And like Ezekiel said there, that He found none uh, that would stand in the gap. I, I do believe that God is still looking for people who uh, are burdened concerning the needs of our world and our praying and our interceding. People who have a clear heart before God and before their fellow man. People who know their God and understand His character and approach Him on that basis. They know their God. People whom God can give information to knowing they will handle it right. You know, God informed Abraham. And Abraham was able to intercede based on that understanding about what was about to happen. And God does do that in cases where He gives, a, gives us an understanding of a need and, and, and with the expectation that we will handle it right. We will use that understanding to pray and to intercede rather than to get going down the gospel trail, go, uh, gossip trail. <laughs> he, trusts, uh, he trusted Abraham with that information. <clears throat> People who have faith in a God that is bigger than the situation at hand. That's the kind of people that God is looking for. People who will not give up, even though this may not be the first time this need has arisen. People who will not quit easily. And I'd like to close with this question. Are you one of those people that God is looking for? Am I one of those people that God is looking for? That's the question we want to ask ourselves. Prayers of intercession. May God lay that upon our hearts as a need of the day. That we would be men and women of prayer. That we would stand in the gap for the needs of our world. For the needs of our churches. For the needs of our families. For the needs of our homes, our young people, our relationships, whatever the pressing need of the moment is. Let's just bow our heads a moment. Father, again, thank you. Thank you for your word and thank you for the examples that we have in Scripture of men who, men and women, who in days gone by have demonstrated to us a godly life and godly virtues and godly character. And we desire again today to be challenged, changed, edified, exhorted by the example that Abraham left, leaves us in uh, interceding and approaching you. Father, we, we do pray. Make us a people of prayer. God, we recognize that, uh, that it is indeed a very, very vital part of uh, the continuing of the kingdom of Christ, whether it's right here among us, whether it's in the broader context of, of the world that we live in and the communities that we live in and all those things. God, we recognize that intercessory prayer 
is a vital part in uh, the continuing of the kingdom. And today again, bless this congregation with that burden and that desire. To be of those who do stand in the gap. That when we hear of a need, when we hear of a, of a, of a shortcoming, when we hear of a struggle, when we hear of various things in our world, that we would be of those who would be on our knees in prayer rather than on our phones in, uh, in gossip, Lord. Or even on our knees in prayer rather than social networking, the, the information and all that sort of thing. Father, we recognize that it is definitely your heart that we would be a people of prayer and intercession. Bless us with that burden, with that passion, with that heart. That we might all together prosper and grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus. That we, in our limited and short time on earth, could positively affect the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Father, we ask that in the precious name of your Son. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>